Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Thursday morning to you and yours. We welcome you as always to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time. Many, many ways you can check us out. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. You can also find us streaming on Facebook. And that's on the Chatterbox Sports page. If you prefer to join us in podcast form, search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you are dialed in. We wondered here yesterday what the 16th ranked Musketeers might look like. Once we learned that standout big man Zach Fremantle was going to miss at least the next four weeks with a foot injury. And at least for one night, they were mighty good. Xavier went into last night's game in a three-way tie atop the Big East Conference standings with Providence and Marquette and come away with a thrilling 85-83 win over Providence in overtime. Jack Nungy poured in 23. Colby Jones and Sule Boom added 20 apiece. As the Musketeers improved 18-5 and five on the year, Jerome Hunter, that's a guy getting more minutes now, had a nice game. Nine points, eight rebounds, more than enough. Next up for Xavier is St. John's at home on Saturday. That's a 5 o'clock tip. Speaking of Marquette, the 14th-ranked Golden Eagles knocked off Villanova in Milwaukee, 73-64. So X and Marquette are tied atop the conference standings, and they will meet one another in Milwaukee February the 15th. UC got its 15th win of the season last night, downing Tulsa 81-65. Jeremiah Davenport scores 24 the Bearcats. UC plays Saturday at home against UCF. That is a noon tip. Elsewhere in college hoops, number one Purdue clobbered Penn State. Boy, that team's rolling. Number two, Tennessee. I tell you, every time they put one of these SEC teams uh, in the top five, they lay an egg. <clears throat> no different last night. Tennessee loses big down in Gainesville against the Gators. And Pittsburgh beat North Carolina in Chapel Hill 65-64. to Tonight, Ohio State hosts Wisconsin NKU. This is breaking news to Casey. We'll get to him in a minute. <laughs> NKU plays at Robert Morris. Washington at number nine. UCLA. NFL news, Kyle Shanahan said yesterday the days of Jimmy Garoppolo are finished in San Francisco. No surprise. You may remember the Niners decided to begin this season with the youngster Trey Lance as a starter at quarterback. He got hurt. Garoppolo came out of the bullpen, started 10 games and injured his foot out for the year. Brock Purdy takes over, didn't lose a game until the NFC Championship where he injured his elbow and will require off-season surgery. Garoppolo is a free agent. All right, gentlemen, we welcome all of you watching. So far, those in the chat, Casey McAllister, Paul Fritzner, good morning, gentlemen. Hope you're doing well. Good morning, Tom. Casey, you are not a baseball guy. No, not, not, not really, unfortunately. So it would probably be like... Uh, asking you uh, some French artist's name if I were to ask you if you've ever heard of Wally Pip. Yes, that would be correct. <laughs> I do not know who Wally Pip is. So you Pip have no is. idea who Wally Pip is? No, no idea. Okay, well, Wally Pip used to be the starting first baseman for the New York Yankees. 
He was a guy, first base, right? All of a sudden, he gets hurt and he's out. And they have this guy named Lou Gehrig. You ever heard of Lou Gehrig? I know who Lou Gehrig is. Okay, Lou Gehrig steps in to replace, it seems temporarily at the time, right? (laughs) Wally Pipp. Lou Gehrig goes on to start for over 2,000 games in a row. Never misses a start. Becomes a Hall of Famer. One of the great players in the history of the game. Do you get where I'm going with this? Um, yeah, you know, Paul don't, did an admirable job. He did a great job. I could not do what Casey did. You did not answer my question. Do you get where I'm going with this? I, yes, I You I do. You figured that out. I figured it out. Paul did a phenomenal job. He did a great job. We did miss you. So how was, give us a, a recap of the trip. For those who don't know, uh, everyone except Paul and I were invited to go on this um, really four-day guys trip is really what it was, okay? They left to go to Kansas City, went to the AFC Championship game at Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday. They left Saturday, okay? That's leaving behind in Trace's case, uh, you know, wife kids whole nine yards in Casey's case leaving his bride to be in the dust rearview mirror and off they go they go to Kansas City for the AFC championship game but that then you know not just that so they're there Saturday Saturday night they go to the game Sunday Sunday night they're staying in this casino where they're hanging out all day Monday Monday night all day Tuesday Then they go to the Kansas State-Kansas basketball game at Fog Island Fieldhouse right there in Lawrence, Kansas. And then they jump in the car and they drive back yesterday. So, how was it? Man, the trip overall, uh, to put it, to, to describe it in a way that would make sense to everyone, starts off, ooh, real, real low. Real low. I mean, the the Bengals game, that was tough. Yeah. Um, some of you that watched the show on Monday, um, you heard about the experience about me trying to, uh, me and my my family trying to get out of the stadium. The parking situation there was miserable. Um, the fans there were uh, were very rude and uh, obnoxious after the game. The fans inside the stadium um, that we were around were good. Um, some of them even bought us a beer, an extra beer, because you only have a <laughs> two-beer limit when you go up there to buy it. Um, well, don't they have that rule everywhere? Isn't that the case at uh, pay yeah, for? it might be. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so that Bengals game was really tough. Um, really, really tough, especially being in the stands, watching them just – replay the down again that that was just blew blew our minds um yeah what was that in the stadium because they tried they made it fairly clear on the broadcast like once they sort of figured it out but i was sitting there thinking if i was in the stands and didn't have nance and romo to talk Mm -hmm. to and even they didn't do a great job but they did an adequate job what did you get in the stadium when when they made the announcement of what it was i thought it was the play clock or the like the not the actual game clock the play clock didn't restart and that's why I thought they restarted the play which if you've been following the Bengals all year they've had issues with getting the refs to restart the play clock Zach Taylor just losing his mind on the sideline 
trying to get them to restart the play. So that just threw me for a tizzy. I was just pissed as all can get out. Screaming explicits. I'm not going to say exact stuff I said on air uh, on air here. Family but show. Family show. Um, at times. It and, might not be at 1130 today, but we'll get to that in a minute. And gut reaction, I was saying the NFL was rigged in the stadium. I, It made me so mad. Um, and, of course, you know, after taking a collective time to uh, evaluate my feelings and evaluate the game – it was a lot better. You know, I, I could clearly see that the Bengals had their opportunities and they just couldn't get it done. It was going to be an uphill battle anyways with the three offensive linemen being down. And I had too much faith in Sharping and Adenogy, um, which, you know, I all season long, it felt like I doubted them, or at least Adenogy. And then the one game I give him some faith mm. for playing well in one game, he turns around. Well, he wasn't alone. Right. Sharping, Sharping, Sharping had a rougher pretty, day than he did. Sharping was pretty rough, too. Um, I really thought that just the previous experience that he had, he wouldn't do so bad, but they were just getting torched left and right. Regardless, kudos to the Chiefs. They won the game. That was, that was a tough time. We wake up that next Monday. We get on the show. We do the this stuff and i send my it was trace's birthday we didn't even know it was trace's birthday birthday on monday ceo and founder at chatterbox sports trace fowler hope he had a great obviously we know he had a great day oh yeah yeah great day you guys want a little cashola at the casino right oh baby so this this is where the (laughs) you able to pay for your wedding now so so we're down we're down here right they don't have to charge for parking anymore. we're down real bad (laughs) this is where this is where the trip just starts to just we're 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 taking off to the moon just, just to put it in perspective here, we go to the casino, and I'm not kidding you. They are, we are all there for over twelve hours. Twelve hours, and we did not lose. We didn't lose money. That trip will never be. T- I'm not going to go into like extreme detail because I think we're going to want to explain it. Let's on keep the, the money. You better hide. Yeah. The, the, the good news for you is you may not sit on the Republican side, but I mean, you know, they wanted to bring in 88,000 IRS guys, and in the second the new Congress came in, they said ass out, DUN done. That's done. not happening. So you don't have to hide from the tax man. Nope. Don't got to hide from the tax boys. And uh, you know what? That that trip. I don't think I'll ever be able to top another casino trip like that. I mean, it was just incredible. Great time. The next day, we're going to Allen Fieldhouse. And boy, I was not expecting that necessarily. Um, lots of like culture and like pregame things. A lot of chants. Well, phenomenal tradition. Ph- phenomenal. Fun, as good as anywhere in the country. Have you been... Uh, the, the, I'm just genuinely asking. Had you been to a college basketball game before besides NKU? Uh, no, I've, I've not. Well, I've been to a Dayton, Dayton game, but that was like 10 years ago. And that was before they were really, well, I mean, Dayton's Dayton has a great tradition and they have great an unbelievable tradition. home. Great games. arena. I, I just, you know, I, for your first real, as an adult, big college yeah, basketball experience one. to go to maybe the best experience in the country is that's, you started off strong, Casey. Yeah. yeah and man, I, it was a great time. It was a blast. It was rocking. The the students were just 
all in in this game, and it was packed. So that I mean, picture you guys sent out, I think Reed was the one who sent it out. He had a cute little thing about, I don't see any NIT banners. <laughs> but um, it looked like, you tell me, it looked like they open up the doors for basically student sections in almost a general admission kind of thing, right? Yeah. So you come racing in, you sit wherever you want to sit, because there were, I don't know, maybe a third uh, of the arena was packed, and then there was no one else anywhere in sight. And I'm assuming those were like season ticket holders and donors and all that kind of thing, right? Right. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. And the the tickets we had were general missions too. Yeah. Right. Um, so we we kind of got lucky where we ended up being at because we could all sit together, and it was. Yes, it was at the top of the stadium, but we could clearly see everything. And it was spacious where we were at. We were like in a little corner yeah. where people couldn't just stack themselves or, you know, you couldn't get claustrophobic in that area. So that was great time. Um, yeah, and then we, we got up the next day, um, drove back home. Uh, I put a little money on Providence to cover 12 and a half, and that hit. Boom. And so I had a really great trip. I had a, a really good time. Well, welcome back. Yes, thank you. Speaking thank you. of college basketball, Paul, uh, last night, you know, we were talking about the injury to Zach Fremantle, uh, and you thought they were going to be okay. I know it's only one game, so I don't want to blow everything out of proportion here, but the bottom line is that was an exciting game. Oh, my God. It was one of the best games of the year. It was a thrilling game. Um, and credit to Providence. They always hang around. Xavier and Providence, you remember the triple overtime game last year. Jared Bynum hit a game winner last year at, at Cintas. And then they go back to Providence. They play a triple overtime game. It seems like every time Xavier and Providence play each other now, it's a close, it's a good game. And even when Xavier got up by 14 in the first half, just you could tell the way the game was going. I don't know if I necessarily thought it was going to be that good all the way down to the end. But you knew that Providence was way too good. Ed Cooley's too good of a coach. Those guys are way too tough to just get blown out by 14, 15 points. And credit to you for getting 12 and a half on the live line. That's a, that was a sharp one. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, the way that we saw Xavier play last night against a team that's competing for a Big East championship, it's got to give – and this is – it was exactly what I talked about on the show yesterday. It gives you a lot of confidence to know that you can do it even without Fremantle, who – has been a liability at times defensively for Xavier. You upgraded defensively in Jerome Hunter, and then you just kind of hold on when, when Kiki Tandy or Cesar Edwards are in the game. You just sort of hope that it goes okay. Cesar played about six minutes. Kiki only played two or three minutes. So you rolled with six guys, and Jerome Hunter started cramping up at the end. It was a million degrees in Cintas last mm -hmm. night. It was very hot, so I was not – I was not shocked. Plus, I think – I haven't gone back to make sure. I think that was the most minutes Jerome Hunter has ever played uh, in a game in his career. So, But what? the most amazing thing for Xavier, Tom, was that you play 40 minutes of regulation and you play five minutes of overtime. Xavier only turned the ball over five times. That's incredible. That's how you win a basketball game. No doubt. Five turnovers in 45 minutes. Now, one of them almost cost Xavier the game because it was right at the end. Yep. Allowed a, a, a breakaway – fast break layup for Providence. Um, I thought the kid but, got fouled, not the last shot of the game, but the one that preceded it when he took it to the rack. Oh. For Xavier. Uh, there was a lot of contact on that play. 
Yeah, I mean, I you was, know what I'm talking about? The one where he comes, I think it was yeah, a I mean, steal, but they come down, he takes it to the rack off to the right side of the yeah. rim, goes up in the air, yeah. right, missed the shot, then got knocked out of bounds, and that's when they set up that last play. Yeah, I, so I, I was standing about maybe five feet away from that play. Um, yeah, there, I mean, there was some contact, but again, that kind of goes back to being clear and obvious in a, in a late-game situation like that. I mean... So you are of the belief, if I hear you right, we talked about this a little bit a couple of days ago, yeah. right? You know, uh, a penalty or a foul, in this case, in basketball. You're not of the theory, if I hear you right, maybe I'm misreading this, that a foul in the first minute of the game should be a foul in the last minute of the game. Oh, it, no, yeah, it should be. I'm just saying that the way the refs call the game, most of the time in the last 15 seconds, it's got to be clear and obvious. Okay. That's, just, that's just the way the game's officiated okay. now. And, okay. I, and, I mean, would I rather them let the game play out? Yeah, but at the same time, if there's a foul, there's a foul. you got to go to the line. Look at Xavier against Cincinnati in the shootout this yep. year. Sule Boom drives the right side of the lane, gets fouled with less than two seconds yep. left. They win. If there's a foul, there's a foul. Yep. So, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say just swallow the whistle no matter what. If a guy gets killed, you got to call the foul. Um, but if it's close, you know, if it's borderline – a lot of times now in, in today's game, you're just going to let the game play out. I I did think that the way the game played in the last two minutes, the reason that this game was trending on Twitter and was all over the country and everybody was talking about, one, was because it was the best game of the night just on paper between two ranked teams. It was the best game of the night nationwide. But at the same time, the way the game was setting up, both teams were out of timeouts in the last minute. And neither team, Providence fouled once or twice, but they didn't have to keep fouling and sending Xavier to the line to extend the game. No timeouts and, and basically no fouling meant that both teams, for both the last minute of overtime and the last minute of regulation, went back and forth. Good shot making. Adam Kunkel hits a three with less than a minute to go. Jared Bynum banks in a three. Xavier misses a game-winning three. Providence almost hits a three-quarter court shot to win the game. Xavier comes down, gets a layup from Sule Boom in overtime. Jared Bynum almost hits a fadeaway three from the corner to, to win the game, what, what would have won the game for Providence. It was just a phenomenal game, the way it played out overall. I saw somebody tweeted after the game, and, and uh, somebody that is a pretty big media member in college basketball tweeted, uh, he, he's been on this campaign for a while that you shouldn't be able to call a timeout in the last minute of regulation or overtime. In the last minute of a game, you shouldn't be able to call a timeout because it ruins the flow of a game. That's a wild take. I, I don't think I agree with that. But it always does play out better when a coach can't call a timeout at the well, end. Well, I think you bring up a great point because, you know, look, uh, we've talked about, you know, the future of this show and where we're going here for the next couple of months. And college basketball is going to be an integral part of that, especially once we get into March. But we got a long time until March. I mean, we just started February yesterday. Um but, you know, one of the things that makes me crazy, and, and, and you're making the point here, it, it, you know, you'll sit there and you'll watch a game and it's got a good flow to it, and then all of a sudden you'll get in the last two and a half, three minutes of the game, and it seems like there is stoppage all the time, whether it's a timeout, whether it's a review, right? Oh. All those kinds of things. And it's just brutal to watch. It takes away all the fun of the game. And you bring up a great point last night. I'm sitting there watching it. And everybody's out of timeouts, and they're going up and down the floor. Guys are making big shots. Um, it was just fun to watch. And it, w it was a lot of fun, very enjoyable 
to watch. And you make a great point because that's the reason why. Yeah. And there was, and, and you said it too, the reviews. Ball didn't go out of bounds. You have to go to the, you know, they yeah, do, they, they do this, they, they do this thing. And then everybody goes to the monitor and then it basically turns into an extra timeout. If a coach was out of timeouts anyway, I mean, it, when you get a game like that between two teams that look, they called their timeouts with however much time was yep. left. The coaches are smart enough to know that, Hey, we got to be able to draw something up here for the end. You got, here's what we're going to do when we get into a late game scenario. These are two very, very experienced coaches. First time coaching against each other in the big East, but two guys, Hey, Cooley, man, they win the big East last year. One of the best coaches in the league hasn't had the NCAA tournament success that a lot of people at Providence would hope, but in the regular season, they've, they've always been a great team under Ed Cooley and they're tough. They're tough. Um, you know, I, I I was talking to somebody on the Providence staff before the game last night, and he was telling me about just – I was asking him about the year and, and how he felt like the year had been going, and he was going, yeah, you know, I, I just know the way that Ed coaches the game, these guys believe in him, how tough they are, and, and they go out there and they make shots, they win games, and that's what they've done all year, and it's what they've done the last two years. Win the Big East last year, and then now this year put themselves in contention for it when nobody thought Providence would even – compete for a Big East title this year. And look at Bryce Hopkins, too. That's a guy, a Kentucky transfer, that Coach Cal would be begging for right now yep. if he was getting that kind of a production out of out of Bryce Hopkins down there at Kentucky. But Hopkins was talking about how he liked playing for Coach Cooley because he gives him the freedom to be the player that he wanted to be that he didn't get under Calipari. So, uh, yeah, I, I think last night's game was one of the best – college basketball games of the season just back and forth it was an overtime game first overtime game for Xavier this year uh, it was a lot of fun every team around the city Xavier won Cincinnati won that that game was never close great game for UC and Louisville they won their first time major game of the year Cardinals they that finally falls get it under done. the who cares category I finally got it done hey look I it said, falls under the who cares I said category. it on the rebound rundown yesterday two days ago when I was previewing the game I said this is probably the best chance for Louisville to win a game because they were only a point and a half underdogs, and they've had a they've had a they uh, they've been they sh maybe should have beat Boston College. I saved Georgetown's program last week. Somebody had to go save the Cardinals program, so that's two programs in a week. They need somebody to really save that program. <laughs> I just can't believe it. I mean, of all the schools in the country out there, and we've talked about it, Carolina might be down compared to other years. Duke, Kentucky. You know, some of these teams, I just cannot believe how far Louisville has fallen. I mean, that is as good arena as there is in a the country. They're like a pro team down there. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's part of the problem. They're like a pro team down there. But, you know, it, 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 it's, it's really, it, it's, it's just hard to believe with the money and the resources that Louisville has at this thing, I mean, the wheels have fallen off. And how much you want to hand, you know, the probation stuff, going back to Patino, uh, Chris Mack, did he have a hand in any of that? I mean, you know, not saying specifically to violations or whatever it might be, but, I mean, it, it's just, it's a disaster. Um, you know, looking at, the, at, at Xavier's schedule, uh, favorable coming. Now, look, you know, who knows? These are, I always say all the time about college sports. These are 18 to 22, 23-year-old young men. They can be great one night, and they can be awful the next night. If you have a son or a daughter that age, you know what I mean. But you look at, you know, you, you, you look at their upcoming games. St. John's no good. I know they've won a game or two here they, and there. They stink. 
Uh, yeah, but, stink. Butler really stinks. Then you got the big Marquette game. DePaul stinks. Villanova's totally stinks. Well, well. They, they stink. They got their best player back. Okay, the reason they, they still stunk stink. Is- uh, Seton Hall's been okay, you know, 14 and 9. Uh, and then you got you got to go to Providence, and then you got Butler at home. But the point I'm making here is, is you know, if, if Fremantle misses four weeks, there's a chance he could be back for the Providence game on the 1st of March. What kind of game shape, playing shape he'd be in, I don't know, but you know they'd love to have him back. And then you're ramping up for the uh, regular season finale conference tournament, NCAA tournament. Um, I've talked about it, you know, a, a lot of times uh, about the website, theathletic.com. And, you know, basically they went out and I'm not on their payroll, but I am an avid subscriber and reader. Uh, we've had Jay Morrison on the program. We need to get Paul Diener Jr. on the program sometime soon. He's written basically, and it concluded today, a three-part series on what's next with the Bengals. And talking about how this is without a doubt the most interesting NFL team and what will happen over the next four to five months. Uh, You know, he walked through contracts in part of the series. He went into the free agents they have in the second part of the series and put a percentage on that player's chances of being here or not being here. That was yesterday. Today, and obviously he has great contacts inside the Bengals organization, deep inside the Bengals organization, and talked about, wrote about today, what their priority list is. And we walked through what we thought their priority list should be in yesterday's show. And naturally, that game, at the end of the day, you can talk officiating, you can talk this, you can talk that, The game was won, as most of the time it's true in the NFL, week in and week out, regular season, then in the postseason. High school football, college football, most of the time, won in the trenches. How well do you do blocking their guys? How well do they do blocking your guys? Okay. They had three backups, as we know, on the offensive line that got starts in the game. Same group that was great in Buffalo but a different cat and a different outcome entirely uh, against Kansas City. Chris Jones dominated the game. I was surprised that, I'm not surprised that the number one priority, according to Paul Daner Jr., is going to be that offensive line. And they remade it, as we know, prior to last year. You know, they brought in Kappa, they brought in Karras, they brought in Lyle Collins. Uh, They had a rookie that won the job at left guard. Collins goes down, major knee injury. James Rapine said yesterday here on the program, he thinks Collins will be back here next year, but wonders whether or not there's enough uh, time for Collins to be back and healthy and ready to go, uh, not only for training camp, but a number of games into the regular season. So Dana writes that you know your middle three guys, you've got Volson on a rookie contract, you've got long-term deals, and both guys played very well in Karras and Kappa. So the, the, the interior three, put that to bed. Not to say that Bolson won't get challenged next year. He will get challenged for a starting spot somewhere. But then he got into the whole tackle thing. And where this and how this is going to shape out and puts this as priority number one 
for the Bengals in the offseason. Um, you know, do they, do they move Jonah Williams? James Rapine said, no doubt in his mind, Jonah Williams is back here next year. They signed to that big deal when they didn't have to. I, I don't get it, but they did it uh, prior to last year. Um, and, you know, does Williams come back automatically as a starting left tackle? Did Carmen show some signs where he could compete? Remember, Carmen was a left tackle in college at Clemson. That's his natural position. Jonah Williams was a right tackle at Alabama. He's been moved to left tackle since coming into the pro game after Whitworth left. Did you see enough out of Adenogy? I mean, is he a capable guy? Or are you going to go spend money in free agency again for an offensive line? Well, um, if I can remember correctly, Collins' deal is not guaranteed. Um, that is dependent on his health. Um, he gets paid. I know they all get paid game checks, but he, he is paid based on his health and his availability. It's not, um, it's not guaranteed uh, under guaranteed contract. So for him, I can understand... I can understand if they cut him or keep him because it's not going to hurt them too terribly to keep him. And I think he played well later down the stretch. But for me, it, this was really tough. For if, if that is what their true focus is on, it's going to be really tough because Jonah Williams is already – accounting for I think 12 or 13 million in cap space next year because they signed that fifth year option when they didn't have to they could have let him walk this free agency I didn't think there was enough last season to even give him that deal to begin with so regardless we're in this situation now that the tackles to me are kind of locked in so I guess the way that they're looking at it is where's the depth because Adenogy, I, he's just not shown any signs of life when it really matters. I mean, yes, he You played. weren't saying that after the Buffalo game. Yeah, but, I mean, like I – what I said in the Buffalo game was they had a really great schemed run game that helped them both Carmen and Adenogy. And I thought Carmen showed some signs of life, at least against the Chiefs. And, you know, maybe it's just because it's Chris Jones. But – when it matters, you know, you really hope that your backup doesn't give up three sacks and, and 11 pressures or however many he had, nine. I mean, that's unacceptable at any level. I mean, so to me, I think they're looking at maybe the backup swing tackle position, adding depth, at guard. I mean, Max Sharping, we thought maybe could be that guy. Seven pressures. And two sacks, it's not really great either. Um, yeah, so I, I'm thinking they're looking at it from a depth perspective. That's what their priority is on. Um, unless maybe they can trade Jonah Williams and trick a team. <laughs> that sounds weird to say, but like, I, I don't see how... Unless they, they just say screw it and, and get a left tackle to replace Jonah Williams and just have two highly paid left tackles and a decently paid right tackle i mean 
But, well, when you look at the top free agents in the NFL for this year, right, and there are various websites that list them one down to whatever. The unanimous number one is Lamar Jackson, but of course we know the Ravens can tag him. Right, and more than likely it's trending in that direction. The only other player listed in the top ten that's an offensive tackle is going to suit him up in a Super Bowl, and that's Orlando Brown. Now, Orlando Brown has been a great player in this league for a long time. He went through a very contentious offseason last year, uh, trying to negotiate a contract with Kansas City long-term deal. Never happened. They tagged him. He's up. You start going to the next 11 to 20, and you've got Kayla McGarry in Atlanta, offensive tackle. 28 years old, Mike McGlinchey out of Notre Dame, starting tackle for the 49ers. He's ranked right there. Those are the only three in the top 20. I don't know anything about Isaiah Wynn. He's at 28th in New England. Um, So in the top 40, you have four guys. You only have five in the top 50. Andre Dillard from Philadelphia would be the other. So, look, I, I don't know with the financial constraints that they're going to have or not have. Um, and I reached out to Joe Goodberry, by the way. I saw where he sent out that tweet the other day. I reached out to him about uh, joining us on the program and have not heard a word back from him. But he does such a great job of being able to talk about what's available in the draft, um, free agency, cap space, all that kind of thing. So hopefully we'll nail him down. Somebody pass a word if you know him. Um, So that was number one, offensive line. And again, this is getting back now to the Paul Daner Jr. article about what is the priority list of the Bengals. And he's got inside information on this stuff. Okay. Number two, tight end. They got a clean slate right now. Clean slate if they so choose. Hayden Hurst. Drew Sample, both free agents. Hurst was an excellent player here. They don't have a single tight end in their contract next year. So, you know, do they go out and find, like Hurst, another, I guess, free agent bargain, for lack of a better term, who, for whatever reason or reasons, did not pan out somewhere else? Uh, They say this is one of the best drafts in recent memory uh, for tight ends coming out of college. I mean, are you going to spend a pick on a tight end? Bengals have done that before, going back to guys like Tyler Eifert, who could never get on the field. I mean, God bless Tyler Eifert. What a great player. He was really good when he played, man. Love Tyler Eifert. Love the guy. He still watches the Bengals and cheers for him. Yeah. I I mean, love Tyler Eifert. But but look, you know, Dave Lapham likes to say the greatest part of ability is availability. He was never on the field. When he was on the field, he was a really good player, sometimes great player. Um, So that would be number two on the list. This is what I found fascinating. Because to me, number one for me, maybe 1A. You got offensive line, and you got a dominant pass rusher. You got to go find one. The Bengals don't have it. Hendrickson is not that guy anymore. Not that he ever was a dominant guy, but he picked up some sacks. And, you know, I've heard the Bengals say they love the way that he finishes. Well, he used to finish. He's not finishing anymore. 
And I don't care if he's playing with a broken wrist or not. You cut him some slack for that, but he's not finishing. Hubbard is not one of those guys. Reader gives you a nice push. Hill can pick up from time to time. Osai looks like a budding player that can make an impact in the pass rush. But they don't have anybody. No, not right now. And, I mean, if you look at the, the list of the free agents that are available, I'm not really too thrilled about any of them, in the top 50 at least. I mean, you got some older guys like Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston, Brandon Graham, and you're going to get those on a one-year flyer. Um, and Bengals, I don't think, are in the business of giving one-year flyers to 34-year-olds. Um, and then you look and you're looking at Marcus Davenport and Jay Davion and Clowney. Um, Clowney has built an entire career off of one hit at Mich- at, in that sure seems in like that it South Carolina Michigan game. It, it sure really seems does. Like an entire career has anybody ever been the beneficiary of one single play in their career? I'm sure there are examples that I'm not thinking of here on the spot. So I'm, maybe I'm overstepping myself. But may, I don't know if there's anybody that has made a career out of one play like Jadamion Clowney has. And credit to him for doing it. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think this season is not the season that they're going to be building through free agency, I don't think. I, I really do believe that they're going to focus on maybe re-signing some of the, like, extensions to their internal players and maybe re-signing a guy like Von Bell to the team again or you know maybe they get Pratt or someone like that maybe they get both I I don't know I mean I'm looking at PFF here and I thought Pratt would be one of the top linebackers or sought out linebackers but fortunately for the Bengals let me just give you this list of linebackers that are available ahead of him Levante David Tampa Bay linebacker he's still really good He's had a great career. He has. David he really Long. has been had a great career. Yeah, and David Long, the Tennessee guy. He's really good. He's a really good thumper. And then TJ Edwards from the Eagles. Uh, they're gonna have a tough time re-signing all their guys. They've got a lot of guys. Well, and they got some guys, you know. You I mean, you talk about a team, and look, we're gonna hear a lot about these guys uh in the coming uh week, week and a half building up. You know, they're gonna do all the nice feature pieces and all that kind of thing. Th- they've got some guys. Yeah, the Bengals have some guys um that you look at and they've been here a long, long time, and what are you gonna do with them and all that kind of thing? But Philadelphia has a couple of guys that are a huge part of that team and have been for a long time. Now, they're getting a little long in the tooth, but we're talking about the interior of that dominant defensive line. They led the NFL in sacks this year. You got Hargrave, who's 30 years old, been around a while, but nobody means more to that Philadelphia team than Fletcher Cox. Right. Now, that's not the kind of guy the Bengals are going to go sign to a free agent deal. I wouldn't think. Um... But, boy, you want to talk about a winner and a gamer. Um, I don't know. I don't know how productive he's been this year. I know that that line has been productive this year. Yeah, I think Fletcher has has seen a decrease in production this season um, than what we're normally seeing from him. You know, like he's usually a 10-sack guy every year. I think he had like seven. But when you've got the guys that you do up front for the Eagles that are younger, fresher, and – you know, they're just dominating up front. 
I mean, you don't need Fletcher Cox to carry your, your defensive line anymore. But back to my main point, I mean, there, this is a very stacked free agent linebacker class. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds, Bobby Orique, Leighton Vander Ash. There's going to be teams that want to go after these guys, possibly over Pratt. And the one thing I like about Pratt's situation, at least from a fan perspective, is that He's been with us for over four or five years now. I think it's four. So this is all he knows for the most part. One of his best friends, BJ Hill. I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but that's yeah. one of his best friends from college growing up, from high school. They have a very tight relationship. And I think he's publicly said at this point that, you know, he would love to be here in Cincinnati. Um, I don't know if that's going to be their priority. He's 26. He's going to be 27 next year. So maybe the Bengals won't sign him to a major extension. And that might be the reason why he might not come along for the ride, so to speak. I imagine that they would give him a two or three year deal where he's maybe looking for a four or five. I don't know exact exactly what the Bengals will do. But fortunately, in that department, I think... They're looking pretty good. And then the the what surprises me the most that no one's really talking about is the safety situation because we're losing both Bell and Bates. And, of course, we've drafted a backup in Dax Hill. Um, and he had safety be, listed dead last that on their priority me. list. He said that, you know, you addressed last year with, with Dax Hill and Tyson Anderson – who didn't get any playing time this year, but he had a lot of guys that have been around for a while playing ahead of him. Yeah. Uh, and that assumes that either, you know, um, Von Bell or Jesse Bates, not going to be Jesse Bates, Von Bell is re-signed. I mean, I'm... He had that dead last. He listed 11 priorities for the Bengals. Safety was dead last. Ten interior offensive linemen, we talked about that. Linebacker was ninth out of that 11. That me too. Said so the talent and the depth, solid here, even if Jermaine Pratt leaves. Um, talked about edge rusher. You know, has him listed as seven. He has solid group listed there. I, I don't know how you, you, you say it's a solid group for what an edge rusher. I know it's not entirely an edge rusher's job to sack the quarterback. They've got to contain on plays. Sam Hubbard even admitted himself. All the talk was about Joseph Osai. Sam Hubbard, stand-up guy all the way, says, that scramble by Mahomes was on me. I didn't contain him from getting to the outside. So those edge guys have a lot more than just sacking the quarterback. But I don't know how anybody doesn't feel. And, and Paul Daner's, you know, he, he knows a lot about football. He's covered it, covered it brilliantly for a long, long time. I just don't know how. And that maybe this isn't his opinion. Maybe he is getting this deep inside the organization. I don't know how you can look at the two teams that are playing in the Super Bowl um, next week and the final four teams that were there. San Francisco, Bosa, right? We're talking about the Eagles guys. 70 sacks as a team this year. Kansas City, dominant. Granted, interior, but they moved him around a lot, Jones. We saw that in the AFC Championship game. They move him off of a tackle, move him off of a guard, prodding the weak spot, trying to find it. He changed the game. The Bengals don't have that guy. 
Yeah. So let me kind of let me be the devil's advocate here and display this story I want to tell about the game, the AFC Championship game that people are really down on, um, and especially just this narrative about our defensive line. To me, doesn't quite add up because here's the thing: the Bengals. If you take away that that last penalty at the end for that field goal, they held the Kansas City Chiefs to 20 points. No question. And it should have been – the conversation should really just be about the offense yep. again, which is the offensive line, which is terrible. I'm tired of talking about but the offensive line. But they probably win this game with Tyler Boyd, right? They probably win maybe. this game if they have a third receiver available and can take the pressure off of maybe. the coverage I, of the other two guys. I, I won't go as far to say that because – I think Hayden Hurst, you know, he he made that one catch on what was it? Like third and 14, yeah. Third and 14, third and 16, whatever it was. I mean, there was opportunities for our guys to make plays. I think they're too reliant on the three all being healthy. I I will admit that. Um, But the defensive line, they, they were able to stop the run when they needed to, they were able to get to the quarterback enough times throughout the season that I I just don't like the narrative that our defensive line needs a, another guy when uh, that's not our MO. Our MO is the right side stops the, the reliant heavy rush that people want to run to the right side. That's where you see Sam Hubbard and DJ reader line up. Most of the time, the left side is where you, Go after the pass rusher, the blind side, the left side. That's where you got Hendrickson, who's really good. I mean, he's one of the top in pressures this year. And it doesn't seem like it, but pressure pressure rate is more important to a defense, I think, than getting sacks necessarily. And B.J. Hill's on the other side. You did not know Trey Hendrickson was on the team the last four weeks he played. You did not even know he was on the team. He had one tackle. One tackle. Now, his position doesn't rack up a lot of tackles. The linebackers clean that stuff up. But look, he was really good here for two years, especially one year. I think he had, what, close to 14 sacks that first year he came to the team, went to the Pro Bowl, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I hear what you're saying. But to Paul's point, it's interesting. Again, article written. In terms of positional needs and rankings, number one, offensive line, number two, tight end, number three, wide receiver. Time to restock for the next generation of Burroughs weapons. Because a lot of people think there's a, there's a chance that after this coming season, the 2023-24 year, that they're not going to be able to keep Tyler Boyd. Yeah, and I'm I'm on. Well, Trent that. Irwin was a nice story, but he ain't Tyler Boyd. No, and I'm on the same train as I'm on that train too. I think if if we're looking at it from a financial perspective, Tyler Boyd just makes too much money for the production that he's giving the Bengals right now. And I hate to say that, I really do, because I love Tyler Boyd, and I think you know, just one play is going to define his whole career. And that's the drop on third down the Super Bowl, And that sucks. It's terrible for him. I hate that. But this team can't afford to, to have three guys 
at the receiver position making 15, 20, 25. Yeah, there's no chance. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to give the younger guys the contracts. That is the MO of the Bengals. They like to grow their own talent and sign the young guys. If you're over 25, 26 years old, you're you're in that that range where they they're looking like oh maybe we shouldn't give you a long term deal and I think Tyler Boyd's like 27 28 he might even be 29 and he's a great cut candidate for extra cap space and the same thing can be said about Joe Mixon and I hate to say that because I think both guys are great but at some point age is becoming a factor and the team structure is also important too. Tyler Boyd's reliableness has been an issue, I think. Well, I mean, you're starting to see it happens to guys, and I don't think he's old enough where I'd throw him in this category yet. But And and, and oftentimes it's just bad luck. But Boyd's been missing some time now, right? I mean, he had the freak thing with his finger, but, I mean, it it, it still happened. Yeah. And I'm a tough guy, right? I mean, surgery, he's back. I mean, love Tyler Boyd. I, I, he's been here through the lean times, and there aren't a lot of guys that have been around here through the lean times. And he is a gamer. There is no doubt about it. But you're spot on. You can't keep all three of them, and you know you want the other two. I mean, Boyd was a number one guy here, and now that slipped to two, then that slipped to three, and that's just the way it works. It's the way it works. Yeah, and you know, I think the this was really telling to me too, and the reason why I'm kind of back on the train that maybe we should find a Joe Mixon replacement is because he only had 23 snaps. I know. P. Ryan had over 40 in that AFC Championship That's game. Unacceptable. I mean, except his dead money weight is higher than most of the other guys. If you let him go, you're taking a much bigger hit on your dead weight salary cap with Mixon than any of the other guys that they potentially could cut. Yeah. and Theoretically could cut. They, I tell you what, I'm going to interrupt real quick. Yep. Right? Ham and Eggers time. Taking a timeout. <laughs> we'll come back to the big Coffee's stock. flowing. Take it, boys. Right. Ham and Eggers back in the house. It's that type of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me. I would know. I introduce all the best segments. All right. Uh, Casey, we... Uh... There's some business to take care of here that I'm gonna I'm gonna yep. do while we let's get it done. Thank Dixon. Uh, so first off, as always, start. We've been talking about the Bengals here for the last half hour or so. Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Also, I don't know. Do I have one in front of me? I do. Pony. I think Pony we water. might need more Pony water. Do we have any more Pony um, waters? I got one right here. but I, don't know if I, we I, have a new so. I haven't had one today. Tom's got one over there on his desk. Well, there is a new premium alkaline water out. That's Pony right here. You can see it in front of us. You can see it right like this. Uh, maybe, the, maybe the text, you can't see it. Popped up that great. Made in <laughs> Hamilton, Ohio, Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water 
in the world. Visit their website at pawneywater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Uh, it is. You know, I'm not a huge water guy. I feel like the... Was it... Who was that? The the old commercial. Was it Dos Equis? That was the most interesting man in the world. I don't always... Yeah drink beer but when i do it yeah yeah free free ad i'm not a huge water guy i drink way too much soda but the pony stuff is good it really is good um and it, it, go, go ahead well what i was gonna say is some people when, when we talk about like advertising water some people go on and on about the the other water brands which i won't name but if you go to kroger and you go into the water aisle there is a reason that when you go into the water aisle there are are brands where the water is sold out and there are brands where you can go in at any time at any point and there's going to be a whole rack of that company's water because it doesn't taste very good yeah stuff tastes good yeah and to me pawnee water is the best water i mean there is a difference in water and it's good water i am disappointed that i can't get more water at the store like you have to go and order it if you own a store or a franchise that sells water Consider Pawnee Water in your stock because it is great. It is delicious, um, refreshing, delightful. Exquisite and delightful. Exquisite and delightful. Yep. But back to the Bengals, and I wanted to, to make a point to you, Tom. Yep. So you're, you're talking about Trey Hendrickson and he disappeared, right? I want to consider the injury to his wrist, and when you look at the numbers here, the pressure production did not decrease. I mean, he had six pressures in the championship game. Um, you know, he, he averages five a game, about. I'm just looking at it right now. And I would just like to know, what is the definition of pressure? So pr- anybody feel like at any point in that game that Patrick Mahomes outside of Joseph Osai was ever pressured in that game? I mean, what does that mean? He has to take two steps to his right because there's somebody making a little bit of push on, on his blind side. I mean, look, I'm not taking away anything from Henderson. He's been a nice player here. He's been a great free agent addition. Went to a Pro Bowl. Had one season where he piled up a lot of sacks. He was a non-factor in the game. A non-factor in the game. You watch the game. Did you ever feel like, oh, man, Hendrickson's a stepping away from dropping it? Did you ever feel that? Tell the truth. Well, um, I don't want to sound like I'm beating up on the guy. I'm not. I'm just saying, did anybody in that game, knowing that you had a quarterback who was basically playing on an ankle and a half, Did you ever feel like Patrick Mahomes was in trouble in that game? Every time he had to make a play, he'd make a play. Not throwing touchdowns. They shut him out in the fourth quarter from touchdowns again, right? Right. But did you feel like there was any heat on Patrick Mahomes in that game? I mean, I can't sit here and say like he was getting crazy amounts of pressure because I thought he he was just sitting in the back all day, but... I think the difference is we 
we did enough on defense. I, I'm not going to I agree defense. with you. I I'm agree not, with you. And I think Hendrickson is a great pass rusher. I think he is that guy. I just – I think Osai has shown enough, and he didn't get a whole lot of snaps this year, that he can be the other pass rusher on those third-down situations. And like I said, it's just not the Bengals and Mo. That's not what they do. They – to play really good coverage and they they're able to rush with four or three guys and do enough to get home or make the incomplete pass and that that's what they do and I know we want that that Steelers or that 49ers play style or the or the Eagles play style but our defense is not the issue well I agree with you there uh the, the defense I I made the point and you were obviously gone but I made the point in the monologue on Monday morning if somebody would have come to you and said uh on Sunday at 629 with kickoff at 630 if somebody would have said to you the only thing we're going to tell you about this game is this with five seconds left in the game the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have 20 points on the board you just said, where do I sign up right now? Right? Right. And the only reason they got the field goal is because they got the additional yardage after the penalty. You held them to 20 points. So I am with you all the way. We said all year long on this show, the defense was by far the most consistent unit of this team the entire year. It was not the Ballyhooed offense with all the stars. The offense all year long was this. Great half, crummy half. One great game, crummy game. All the way through. And again, I keep getting back to it. You know, nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. But I continue to get back. You know, Mike Francesa, legendary sports talk show. Some like him, some don't in New York City, has had the best run of any sports talk show in the history of radio in New York City. I mean, he raised some feathers yesterday. Did you see his comments about Tom Brady? I just saw a lot of people complaining about Mike Francesa, and usually when I see that, I don't even click Okay, on the story. he was on back reunited with his buddy, Chris Russo, the Mad Dog, oh. right? They did a show yesterday. On first take, right? That and, was yesterday? Yeah, Damn. and Francesa made the point and he prefaced by saying, I know I'm going to take a lot of heat, but he's not afraid to lay a lot of heat out there. He said, but I would make the argument, and this was in reference to Tom Brady retiring. He said the best regular season quarterback of all time, in his opinion, is Peyton Manning. The best Super Bowl quarterback of all time is Joe Montana. And he said, just go look at the stats. He said, go look at the numbers. He said, now I know Brady won seven. Montana did not. Brady did play till he was 45. I'm only bringing this up. I'm not saying I agree with it in any form or fashion. But I'm just saying that, you know, there are sometimes you say things out there and people don't like it. They don't want to hear it. They don't even want to talk about it or debate it or look it up. But I brought it up here yesterday. I'm the guy's number one fan in Joe Burrow. Number one fan. But when it comes to playoff games, outside of the Buffalo game, he has not been elite. They couldn't score touchdowns during the playoff run last year. 
The only reason they did win games was because of the field goal kicker and the defense last year in the playoffs. Now, granted, okay, I mean, Burrow was sacked nine times in the Tennessee game. Brutal offensive line. But the bottom line is they were lucky to win the Baltimore game. I mean, they were lucky to win the Baltimore playoff game. They played great against Buffalo, their most complete offensive game of the year in the pass game, in the run game. In the AFC Championship game, they had clock management issues at the end of the first half. You pin that on the coaching staff. That's not on Burrow. But twice were inside the red zone. They were the fifth best red zone offense in the NFL in the regular season, but we're separating the regular season from the postseason. They were in the red zone twice. In the first half, both times kicked field goals. They had the ball twice with under seven to go. They could not string together more than three first downs. Those are the facts. Yeah, those are the facts. And, you know, I, I, I will vouch for Joe Burrow all day, every day. And the offensive line did stink, but... He's been, he's just been so good with a terrible offensive line. It's just so hard. I mean, it's such a great excuse for any quarterback, really. Like, oh, I got a terrible offensive line. I can't operate under these conditions. But, I mean, it takes an incredible amount of luck. We already talked about Tom Brady and how I think he, he is the GOAT. Yep. I think it takes an incredible amount of luck to be the GOAT. It's going to take an incredible amount of luck for any quarterback to win a Super Bowl. It's very hard to win a Super Bowl. You got to be the number one team out of 32. I don't know what percentage that is, but it's pretty tough. And it's tough to be consistently good. And this offseason is so important. Yep. And we, we've talked about it at length already today. But I want to reiterate, and plus I haven't even talked about the coaching staff stuff. That, well, that we were going there next day. because, you know, that was, that was the biggest part of this article that was written – uh, by Paul Daner Jr. today in The Athletic. It, it got into the whole thing that we've been talking about here, but you're spot on in this, Casey. You know, he went multiple paragraphs. Uh, we know Lou Anarumo and Brian Callahan are getting uh, interviewed by the Arizona Cardinals yep. for their head coaching job. Callahan is also uh, being interviewed again by the Indianapolis Colts for their vacant head coaching job. But they got into how those two coordinators, along with Darren Simmons, a special teams coordinator, they have all been together since Taylor got the job in those same roles. But then he got into, and a guy who's frequently uh, not talked about is a quarterback's coach here in Dan Pitcher. Yep. Now, Pitcher is being um, interviewed for the offensive coordinator's job under D'Amico Ryan's who just got named the head coach of the Texans two days ago, right? Right. Uh, and, and then you get into the wide receivers coach, Troy Walters. He's another guy interviewing for the Texans' offensive coordinator job. So, you know, with success comes uh, people looking at what you've done with the players that you've worked with. But it also has to do with the culture that you've been a part of creating because we've talked about this countless times, and this isn't breaking news. The Bengals have been one of the worst franchises in the NFL forever. 
They've had their moments. But they've been one of the worst as far as just culture, all about winning. The last two years has changed that perception dramatically in what ownership has done on all kinds of different issues and levels. Social media, players, spending money on the defense two years ago, spending money on the offensive line last offseason. And now the rubber meets the road. Which way are you going to go? It's very hard to get there, like you were just starting to say, and please continue on. It's harder to sustain it because of the obstacles you now begin to face with decisions on players. Are you keeping them? Are you letting them go? Your draft, free agents from other teams, but now the coaching staff comes into question on how many of those guys that have been here to watch this amazing turnaround, how many will continue to be here? Well, let me, let me tell you why losing a coach is way more devastating for the Bengals than it is for any other team. And that's because the Bengals like to use the coaches to do their scouting. That's right. And let's just say we lose a, 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 a receivers coach and Troy Walters, who's been phenomenal with the Bengals, by the way. I think he's been here since the Marvin Lewis era, if I'm not mistaken. I think he helped coach with... Uh, That's exactly right. Yeah, I think he helped coach up like A.J. Green and maybe, right. maybe Ocho. I'm not quite sure, but great, great coach. Losing that, that could be a big deal. I mean, we've been a very decent, if not exceptional team at developing receivers and I know we've got like somewhat lucky with Jamar Chase, but you look at T. Higgins, you look at Tyler Boyd, I would even consider like Auden Tate, you look at AJ Green, Marvin Jones, um, Sanu, all those guys, we are really good at coaching up receivers. And if you lose that, that's a big blow for the Bengals. Just, and the one thing I'm scared of the most is losing what I think is the best part of our team, which is defense. And losing Lou Anamurumo, I feel like would be just so brutal because of the way that we play defense. The next defensive coordinator coming in would not have his guys. And that would just, he would coach a different way than Lou. I've never seen Lou coach the way that he does because I'm so used to what I see from the 49ers, what I see from the Steelers, what I see from the Eagles, what I see from... Dallas, Ravens. just really, really great defensive front sevens that are able to rush to the passer, whereas the Bengals are more sound in the backfield and they're more technically sound. I, I'm, I am very nervous about losing Lou Anarumo. Um, and I know some people, especially Trace, don't think that's a, a big deal. But when it comes to knowing this team and – scouting out talent and being able to pick up guys in free agency and put together piece together this defense from what it was this Bengals team will not be the same without Lou Anarumo well here here's the other part of the Anarumo thing and I, I I think you're right on what you say but here's here's the thing with the Anarumo situation let's assume for a second he gets a job in Arizona I, I don't think that's a safe assumption but let's assume he does the problem is, is because your team played so far into the postseason that now all of a sudden a lot of the guys that you might look around from the outside to bring in, and I don't know if they have a candidate in-house who's worked under Lou, 
has watched the way Lou has worked, knows the players, knows the personnel, knows the schemes, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe they have somebody in-house that, that, that I don't know about. But if you're going outside the organization, you might be getting the, the third, fourth, fifth guy, best guy in line, right? I mean, you know, I don't know if they think about a guy like Vic Fangio. He's off the board. Right. He's already gone. Other teams are deep into either having hired someone for these jobs or they're deep into having interviewed multiple guys for this job. So I don't know how long this Arizona thing is going to drag out. I mean, the Cardinals got to get a coach, right? Right. I mean, they got to get a coach. Super Bowl's out in Arizona next week. So, I mean, they'll just be flying guys in there left and right to interview for this job. Yeah, and I, I hope we figure out something soon. And I, the one thing I'm not super concerned about is um, Brian Callahan leaving because I feel like there's enough offensive minds there already. And, I mean, Dan Pitcher is already being interviewed for an offensive coordinator. I think he'd be a perfect shoe-in and replacement for Brian Callahan. Um, he knows Joe Burrow inside and out. That makes sense. It's an obvious choice. But for the Bengals, I think it's a little bit different. Um I hope that it gets resolved soon so I can just know and rest easy because I feel like once the coaching staff is set in stone for the Bengals, everything else will fall into place exactly how they want it to go. Now, In interesting name brought up by a cutter in the, um, the chat. Mike Zimmer. Ooh. I mean, I... Still lives here in town. He's got a big farm down there in Kentucky, right across the river. He never left here, even all those years he was a head coach in Minnesota. Yeah, he God, lived here in the offseason. God bless his son, Adam. Amen. He, 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 He's he had a lot of tragedy him. in his life, yeah, for he, sure. He lost his wife when he was here as a coach, loses his son this year during the season. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I mean, Adam was with us. You know, he was there, and there's that connection. So, I mean, I – I wouldn't be disappointed with that if that does happen, but lose defense is just <laughs> it, it is the to, in my mind it is the it's better than like a Saxonville because it's so underrated and it's just efficient. It is just the way you play defense. And I I would hate to go back to an era where we're looking at spin cycles from Lamar Jackson or just not being able to get the pressure in the playoffs or whatever it might be and being really suspect in the secondary. All those things just worry me a lot. And, you know, it, I, I, uh, I really hope that it all works out. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that Lou stays just for one more ride at least because I know – He's not going to be staying for much longer. I mean, this is just the beginning. Next year, if he performs the same way, there's just no doubt in my mind he's going to get picked up somewhere or want to take that opportunity because you don't get very many coaching That's opportunities right. as a head coach. With, with, by the way, uh, with Mike Zimmer, uh, he has already been hired by Deion Sanders to be his defensive coordinator at the University of Colorado. But there was an article written today that after Sean Payton got hired, of course, that's right down the road in Denver to be the head coach, and Payton and Zimmer are longtime, very close friends. 
There's a lot of speculation already that before he ever coaches a game at Colorado, could Mike Zimmer be hired away by Sean Payton? I don't know, you know, Mike Zimmer's a, a man of principle. If he's agreed with Deion Sanders to take that gig, then maybe he takes that gig. And again, this is all just throwing names out there in case Anarumo is not here. There are a lot of other, I'm sure, very good candidates if you needed to go get one. Yeah, before, before I wrap up this, or actually, I'm going to wrap up this Bengals thing, and then I want to talk about the, the Denver situation really quickly because, to me, that just blows my mind what they just traded away for for Sean Payton, but the Bengals, if they keep their coaching staff, everything will be fine. I think they'll be able to get the guys that they want in the building. They'll be able to restock and reload, get ready for next off season. Because when you have JB nine, when you got Joe Burr, when you got Joey B, Joseph Lee Burrow back there, you always have a chance. Yes, you do. And I don't want anybody here to be getting all uptight thinking that I'm saying something about Joe Burrow in a negative way in any form or fashion. That's not what I'm doing here. It's not what I'm doing. I'm just trying to lay out what we know to be true. He's the best thing that's ever happened to this franchise. And he will be the best thing that's ever happened to this franchise. Agreed. But he did have a chance on Sunday. Offensive line or no offensive line. He had a chance to go get a field goal and win the game. Twice. Didn't happen. I know. And that's, that's tough. It's tough for his, his narrative. All right. So what's your issue with Sean Payton? God, that trade is I terrible. I mean, this guy won a Super Bowl. He won almost 100, and, well, including the playoffs, 170-some-odd games. Didn't lose very much. Listen, he had maybe one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. That helps out a lot. And we've seen what Russell Wilson has done this last offseason. I don't know how much that will play into a factor for the remainder of Sean Payton's career there in Denver. But you can't give up what you gave up to go get him. That is ridiculous. It was a first-rounder and and a second-rounder. And they traded Bradley Chubb. Am Am I mistaken for that? What, what what did they trade away for to get him? It was a Bradley Chubb and a third rounder, and then you talking about the Peyton thing? Yes, the Peyton they they gave up because he was under contract. For those of you that don't know, and by the way, uh, whoever is Fa Fa Fluey, just give it a rest. Tom hates Burrow and Vado. Boy, that is just so tired. Um. Um. To get Peyton, who was under contract with New Orleans when he walked away, but that deal still kept him obligated if he wanted to come back and go somewhere else, which he's elected to do now with Denver. They, they have to give up, they being the Broncos, they have to give up their first-round draft pick this year, and that's a pretty decent draft pick because they had a bad year, right? It's actually the, the 29th pick because it was from the 49ers okay all right so they've got a first round draft pick this year and they gave up their second and third round draft picks for next year correct correct all right that's a lot that is a lot and i just that blows me away i mean what are you going to build your team around what what are you going to do i mean i don't know why sean payton would even 
want to go to Denver unless he thought he could fix Russell Wilson. And maybe he can, but that is a, that is a tough sell for me, a very tough sell. And as much as I wanted to love Sean Payton, Reader did a little digging for me the other day. And could you imagine that he actually had a very similar career to Marvin Lewis and now he won playoff games. I get that. And he had a lot of unfortunate circumstances in the playoff games. But he had six losing seasons. And I think it was like, I don't know, 11 winning seasons or something like that. Okay, I could, well, I could let, do let, let's hold numbers, on a second but... now. He won 152 and he lost 89. There ain't nothing close to Marvin Lewis on that. Marvin Lewis was a 500 coach. And Marvin Lewis took over a franchise that was a disaster. So did Sean Payton. His first season as a head coach, he goes to the NFC Championship game. Okay? Mm. Now, he's got Breeze here. First year, Breeze. They came in together. Yep. Right? Okay, then they go 7-8, and 7-9, 8-8. <laughs> then they rip off four straight seasons. 13-3, and three, Super Bowl champs. 11-5. and five. Losing a play, a wild card round. 13 and 3, losing the divisional round. 11 and 5, losing the divisional round. Then they had three straight 7 and 9 seasons. Okay? But his last four years in New Orleans, 11 and 5, won the division, lost in the divisional. 13 and 3, won their division, lost in the AFC Championship game. 13 and 3, lost to the Vikings in the wild card. 12 and 4 lost to Tampa Bay and Tom Brady in the divisional round. So his last 4 years he won his division every year and in all but one of those seasons won at least one playoff game. There's nothing to compare Sean Payton to Marvin Lewis. Except that nothing except that they have very similar winning and losing seasons, which is what I was ultimately getting at is one, can Sean Payton win the big game with Russell Wilson? Maybe, maybe not. I, I, that's not really, that's not what I'm really arguing. What I'm arguing is you gave up all this stuff to go get him. What is he going to build around? What, what, what sort of financial situation are the Broncos in? Because they just gave Russell Wilson all this money for no reason because he hadn't proved anything yet. And, now Sean Payton's going to have to build from from nothing, pretty much. He's going to build from a, a second rounder this year, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what they got back there. Probably nothing because they traded everything to go get Russell Wilson. This, this is just the worst thing that they could have possibly done. Any little slimmer of hope that they had in the draft, nah. I'm just going to get rid of it. Like, what What are they thinking? What are they going to do to build around Russell Wilson and, and Sean Payton? What are they going to do? Like... There's nothing they can do. They're just going to send the same guys out there that they had last year and just hope for the best. Did I hear you say that Russell Wilson has done nothing? This last season. Oh, okay. This oh, last season. I get ready to say, hold the phone there, doctor. But do you really? I why, mean, you talk you, about a guy now when you start really getting into, and most of his career he played for a running first team. Right? Right. How about these seasons as a starter since he walked in the league? Oh, no. I know. They're fantastic. 11 and 5. 
13 and 3, 12 and 4, 10 and 6, 10 and 5, 9 and 7, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, 12 and 4. He did not have but one season where he didn't win 10 or more. His career touchdown to interception ratio is well past 3 to 1. Tom oh, and by the way, he's run for 5,000 yards in his career. Right, but that what, is getting what, it done, brother. What makes you think he's going to do that next I year? I bet There's money he is back that. on his game next year. Whoa, really? I would. That's an interesting take. I what? bet money on it. Because what, of Sean Payton or because just because of Sean he had a bad Payton year? And, 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 the, okay. and his understanding of offensive football, understanding what Wilson's strengths and limitations are. Nathaniel Hackett was a first-year coach. There's a lot going on, the great offensive mind. I think everybody agrees. But he, he, they didn't have it there. And I don't think that Peyton is like the, the be-all, end-all either. I thought there were a lot of years there where they should have done better with the pieces they had in place besides winning one Super Bowl. It reminds me a lot of the whole sort of Mike McCarthy era with Aaron Rodgers. They had a lot of great teams and a lot of great players, and they won one Super Bowl. Fair? Well, let me just let me go back to that initial point because Reader's throwing dots on, on here, and I'm all, I'm all on this train now. He had the same exact winning seasons and losing seasons as Marvin Lewis with a Hall of Fame quarterback, maybe one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. What do you mean? You're you're wanting us wait, to wait, believe. Wait, wait. You're 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 picking number of seasons. I'm talking about the seasons that they did go to the playoffs. Okay, in his he was there from 2006. Got suspended the one year after the whole Bounty Gate thing. Okay, so he was there one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 14 years he was there. They finished in first or second place. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of those years. Ten of the years, first or second place. They won a playoff game in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of those seasons. How many playoff games did Marvin Lewis win? <laughs> I'm looking in here. Uh, what is that number? Uh, that's a big fat zero. All right. But I'm just saying, I think I don't think this is great for the Broncos. I, I don't know what their thoughts are. And I know we don't have very many Broncos fans, if any, in this chat. But... To me, this was just bad. I mean, this is just a bad, bad move, in my opinion. And maybe it all works out, and I just look dumb in the end. But I don't think that this is, like, a great situation for them. Like, they could have gone out and maybe gotten a, a different head coach. Or maybe they could have gotten Lou Anarumo or, or Brian Callahan. Maybe take a take a, a flyer on those guys instead of uh, – So you're you know, out on Sean Payton. It's not that I'm out on Sean Payton as a head coach altogether. I'm out on the situation because they have nothing to build on. 
Okay. You gave up your whole future now at this point to just get a quarterback and a head coach. They did. But, 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 but here's what I would ask you. Here's all I would ask you, okay? And I'm with you all the way. It is a steep price, and we said it in the monologue when, when we talked about him getting the head coaching job. Here's what it all comes down to. And really, this is it in a nutshell, okay? Broncos' new ownership believes that Sean Payton is the best man for the job to get Russell Wilson turned around. The only hope that franchise has of playing well in the playoffs and contending for a Super Bowl is if Russell Wilson is back to being Russell Wilson. He's done it before, and he played extremely well just two years ago, okay? On a bad, bad Seattle team. They still were 9-8 and eight his last year there. Year before that, they were great. So, I mean, you know, maybe year or two can remove him from ever being a, a great player again. I don't know. But here, here's what I'm getting at. If you're a fan of the Denver Broncos, would you give up all those draft picks, which they did, mm. and the possibility, because you know they're going to go spend money. Denver always spends money. Their franchise, even this new ownership group, that just by hiring Peyton, they prove you they're all in. And bringing Wilson in and giving him all that cash. They've proven they're all in. Would you trade, let's just say, a trip to the Super Bowl in Denver? Not necessarily win it, but would you trade a trip to the Super Bowl for those draft picks? That's what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it from that perspective, I think anyone would trade that amount of draft capital to win a Super Bowl at least one time. And the people that are lying and saying that they wouldn't are just fooling themselves because this franchise just, we were that close to winning one and I would give up the next 10 years just to win one. I mean, that would, that would definitely tank the, the Joe Burrow, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time t conversation, but I want to win one bad. I understand. I think, I think that's the position that the Broncos are in, and they've won. They've won Super Bowls before. They're not that far removed. They're only like what, eight years removed, seven years removed from winning one. So I, I guess I understand the the thought process there, but I think it's just a bad. It's a bad move. It's a bad move, and they're already in a bad situation. And hopefully they made it better. But to me, the outlook might be worse. All right. Fair enough. Um, let's, uh, do we have the tracer ready to go? We almost have the tracer ready to go. Almost have the tracer ready to go. Uh, best 30 minutes in television twice a week, 1130 a Eastern time. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Let me know when we're ready. Any second now. He is standing by patiently from his estate in Bellevue, Kentucky, along the banks of the mighty Ohio. All right, here we go. Tracer, good morning. Are you there? Yes, I am. Well, what's the matter with Casey today? He sends well, me the... Tracy, you've yeah. been on a three-day bender at one point in time in your life before, right? Is that safe to say? Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that unless you're getting married. My God, Casey, get control of yourself. You're, drinking, <laughs> you're, you're spending money like a drunken sailor. What's the matter with you? Tracy, he made a lot of money. I told you last week when he was, or two days ago, when he was gone, 
that not only were they going to the, the AFC Championship game, they were going to the University of Kansas game last night. All of them come rolling in today. Trace Fowler, Sean Spurlock, Reed Mouse, Casey McAllister. Um, you know, with, with, with gushing of stories of all of this cash they won at the casino because they stayed at a casino for three days. It sounds like you guys are just a bunch of degenerate gamblers. I, I'm getting Spot that done, right, Tom? You know, Casey, I you want to like, answer that? Yeah, yeah go ahead, Case. Well, well, it's only degeneracy if you're losing. I, I'm a winner, <laughs> Tracy. Oh, yeah, I heard that from my best friend who ended up losing $600,000. Um, you know, Casey, let me just throw this out. I feel like I'm like your older brother slash financial advisor. And I think... <laughs> You're being very reckless. You've got a wedding coming up. You know, now we're going to have, because you spent so much money going to Buffalo, going to Kansas City, going to strip bars. You've spent so much money. We're going to have to raise the price of parking for your wedding from 10 to $15. Now, how does that make you feel? Well, you know, Tracy, I want to interrupt before Casey uh, answers to this because Paul pointed out that with all the big money he won uh, this weekend at the casino outside of Kansas City, they may not need to charge for parking. <laughs> yeah, but you know, if you're betting on women's basketball, uh, there's some there's some issues there. <laughs> I, I gotta say, no it. doubt. <laughs> no doubt about it. And Casey, listen, I'm not here to lecture you, but I will anyway. Uh, listen, here's your problem. And this is the problem of your generation. You guys are very impulsive. Okay. You guys just, you see an opportunity, you're going to Kansas city. You're going to Buffalo. You're going to this game. You're going to that. You're, you know, you're playing blackjack. You're playing roulette. You're playing strip poker, whatever you're doing with and gambling on, you got to take a break from it. And here's my advice, what I would do. And this is what I do. If you want something badly, and Tom, maybe you do this too. If you want something badly, and I, my dad taught me this, wait, sleep on it. So let's say, for example, you want to go out and get a, a new Rolex or a new Porsche or a second home in Manasota Key, Florida for $2 million. What I like to do is just take <laughs> some time and think about it before I go out and spend the money. It's very helpful. It's great advice uh, that my dad gave me. But Casey, and, and that's you too, Paul. Are you taking notes there? Absolutely. Are you just sitting I, I, there? Yeah, well, first I'm always taking. Well, yeah. Yeah, first of all, happy Black History Month. As you guys know, yep. and we've talked about it, I'm 3% black. My great-great-grandma was black, lived in Arkansas. I heard a great woman. Just wanted to wish everyone a happy Black History Month. Indeed. But, but Indeed. Polly, sorry, you were going to say something not important. Because this is a legitimate point he is making, uh, uh, that Tracy's making, Paul, here, is that you were nodding your head over there when Casey said, you're not a degenerate if you're winning. Yeah. And even when you lose. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. And even when you lose, you're always one day away from your biggest win. <laughs> oh, my God. Tracy, how many people did you see living on the streets in California? that there's a chance they were there because of that line of thinking as it pertains to gambling? Well, I tell you, I don't know. I, I think everything in moderation, whether it's drinking, whether it's sex, whether it's a bunch of things, everything in moderation, but so many lives have been ruined through gambling. And, and, and I like to gamble, nothing wrong with that. 
you know, we're sponsored by gambling. That There's nothing wrong with it. It's just you really have to watch it. And I think being a young guy like Casey and Paulie, you know, slow it down a little bit. Save your money. Do you know 70% of the people out there can't, they don't have $1,000 to their name Yeah. outside of their retirement. That's sad. Credit card, all-time high. And I, I just don't like the direction that, that we're going in. I mean, we're $31 trillion in debt. And I think this live for today and not worrying about tomorrow is a bad philosophy and it's a bad way of thinking. Because my dad used Tracy, to say, Tracy, it will rain. Hold on, hold on, Tracy. You just said we were $31 trillion in debt, and I pointed this out the other day. U.S. government takes Eagles minus one and a half. We pay it all off. <laughs> Come on now. See that? See, you should just everything's a numbers game with you. That's the problem. You know, you're just going. Here, here's some. Go watch this movie. I watched this movie over the weekend. Twenty one. Did you see that movie? No. What I, is it? I, I, I watch the movie. That, I love watching movies. What, what, what's it about? Twenty one. Oh, it's about uh, this this kid at uh, MIT. Great with numbers. He's counting cards. Oh, is this the one with the, Kevin Spacey in it? Yeah. Yes. Great yes. movie. Great movie. Great I've seen movie. it a couple of times. I, Great. That's when they put together it. the whole group of students and they fly out to yes. Vegas and they win yes. a bunch of cash and they come back, right? And he's hanging How out with all his that? nerdy engineering buddies and they're wondering what he's doing and where he's going. Right. 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 And then, you know, he, he, it's kind of like Casey. Because when we started this show, Casey was kind of a nerdy guy, right? Now he's going to put on, I wouldn't be surprised next week we see him in sunglasses, a fedora, maybe walking around with a pimp stick, um, you know, things like that. <laughs> it's just like the guy at 21, right? His personality totally changed when he started winning in Vegas. So you need to watch that movie, Polly and, and, and Casey, both you guys. Well, I, I've seen that movie so many times, I could quote the whole movie right now. I could, you could give me the first line, I could do the whole movie right now. It's a big, I don't know about big time movie. I, that's the classic movie where it's like 11 o'clock at night, and I'm writing the rebound rundown, and I want just something as background noise. It's on Netflix. You just yeah. throw on 21, yeah. and you let it ride. I have not yeah. watched it. So yeah. obviously, Casey, you, didn't you, learn better, you better watch it. It's because a great he, movie. Tracy is on to something here. I mean, I'd say that's why we have Tracy Jones on the show. He sees things. That most that of us don't see. don't see. Right. Uh, here's another show for you to watch. How about Bernie Madoff? Watch that documentary. You know, now I've not watch watched that. that one yet. I flirted around with it, but then, you know, I kind of start looking around and feel a little guilty because my wife's, you know, doing a bunch of stuff and I'm sitting on my tail and I feel a little guilty. You ever get that way? Yeah. Feel a little guilty? You know, they're doing laundry or they're doing, you know, something around the house and you're like, man, I'm, no, I'm doing a whole lot of nothing. No, I don't feel guilty at all. Um, no. No, but there's, it's a very good movie, and I would watch it. And by the way, remember, I see things just as I'm going along here. Remember, I see, I also hear things that you people don't hear. Tom Brady ain't retiring. Mark it down. I, I don't want to get into it, everything that he had. He had a really rough year. He had the FDX with the cryptocurrency, right? Yeah. His wife was cheating on him, right? He had I don't a terrible know, I don't know that. I don't know well, that, but they the are rumor. divorced. Okay. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly, she's with, with that jujitsu guy. Um, he had a terrible line, wide receivers. Do you honestly think Tom Brady's going to go out on that interception on his last ball that he threw? It's not going to happen, Tom. He's just got to find the right team. That's just my prediction. We'll see. Remember, players come back. Gronkowski, uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, Sugar Tom Ray Brady. Leonard, uh, Gordy Howe. 
Deion Sanders, Michael Jordan, uh, Magic Johnson, they all come back. Now that he's without Giselle, he's going to be pulling a lot of wool. He'll be in a better mood. He needs to put some weight on. He's extremely skinny, but he's my favorite athlete of all time. I don't want to see him go out like this. You know, I could Anything see him going was? to the 49ers. Well, Brett Favre did the same thing. Brett Favre threw an interception on his last pass, and then he came back two more times. <laughs> I love uh, Brett Favre. He's got one more one more team. I'm thinking the 49ers. What about you, Tracy? You know, Vegas. I'm going to go I'm going to go off the charts here. Las Vegas Raiders. Ooh. How's that one? The Raiders. Tom Brady's not coming back. He's All done right, this time. He's done this time. Yep, I think okay. he's done. Uh, That's what they said the last time. I know, and he acknowledged it in the video, which I'm sure you saw. He seemed very sincere. He started to choke up a little bit two or three times. I talked yesterday. The times I've been around him, I really like him. Uh, he seems like just a regular down-to-earth guy. And he's got a lot yeah. to look forward to. I mean, tell me how you'd feel, Tracy, if you're Greg Olson. Okay, now Greg Olson was a great Whoa. player in the NFL, right? He gets his chance yep. on TV with Fox. Even when he was a player, there would be off weeks um, for Olson, and he would come in and broadcast a game for Fox. That's when I was still there. Uh, and then all of a sudden, he gets vaulted when Aikman and, and Buck walk out the door to go to ABC and Monday Night Football. Um, Olson uh, is jettisoned right into the number one slot. I think everybody agrees he was really good, really good on the air this year. But now really all good. of a sudden, Fox has already guaranteed Tom Brady a 10-year, $375 million deal to be their lead analyst whenever he retires. So that means as of now, next year he will step in and be the number one team, I'm assuming, next to Kevin Burkhart. Maybe they make it a three-man booth. I think that would be a smart move because that's how, really, Collinsworth uh, and Troy Aikman got started in a three-man booth with Joe Buck. How would you feel if you're Greg Olson right now? Well, I would say, hey, hop in. The water's warm. Let's see how good you are. Who's, who says that Brady's going to be a great broadcaster? Why, because you're a great quarterback? That makes you a great broadcaster? I want to ask you, Tom, because you're, you are someone who can judge on, on, you know, having an analyst next to you who's good. Yeah. Rank them as far as Romo, Aikman, uh, Olsen. Who, who do you rank one to, one to five, let's say, best analyst? Well, uh, look, of the, to of the top guys out there, I mean, Collinsworth and, uh, and Aikman, for me, they're very different styles. Okay. But they both right. some, come so prepared. They're so on their game. They've been at it a long time. You're right. Um, you know, um, I'm trying to remember who, who shared this with me a long time ago. But, you know, it, basically the idea was – you could be a great quarterback. You could know everything there is to know about football from now until the end of time. But the question is, do you become a great TV announcer? It's not anymore whether you're a great player. Now no. your occupation is as a TV announcer. Are you great at that job? Okay? And there's a lot that goes into that job. And Collinsworth and Aikman have been at it long enough, totally on their game. Olsen was fantastic this year. 
no doubt in my mind. Um, I've never seen a guy in all the years in broadcasting that went from here to here in one year as an analyst like he did. I mean, he's really good, and he's a likable guy, and that's important. I enjoyed Romo more this year as the season went on than I used to. Really? When the season started mm. and in years past, I thought he got hyped. I thought he, he was overrated. I thought he hit on some plays and he got a lot of pub for it when he predicted stuff. Right. But nobody ever said the things that he predicted that were wrong. Right? You never talked about that. But I got to right. tell you, Romo for me grew on me a little bit. You didn't like him, right? Well, I, I didn't like him the one game I listened because he really took over the game, could not stop talking. And I think Casey, you know, that was a couple of weeks ago. And Casey, I think you agreed with me because I do like Romo. I think he has some great insight into some of the plays. Yeah. I mean, he sees what those guys are going to do before it happens. Uh, I think he was better last week. And he, he is one of my favorites. Chris, it's just tough. That's a tough job to get, Tom. Well, I mean, some it, of those guys, it, 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 it's it, really tough. I don't know if it's a tough job to get. To keep? I think it's a tough job to keep. And it all depends on how serious you are about wanting now to turn the page uh, and, and become very good in an entirely different occupation. I think, we, the, to your point, Joe Montana, everybody and his brother was beating <laughs> right. down the door to get Great Joe example. Montana to be a broadcaster, right? And, you know, look, that's Terrible. just not his deal. Drew Brees. Now, there's a guy, I think, where we're in the, um, no. you know, impatient category. I mean, he goes on. They put him right into one of the biggest jobs. Maybe he wasn't ready for it. Okay, he takes a step back. He comes, does a Notre Dame gig. I thought he was really growing into that role. Now, whether he liked it or not, I have no idea. I don't know Drew Brees. But, um, but just because you're good as a football player or a baseball player or whatever it might be, doesn't mean you're going to be great on television. You're spot on. Right. And I think, you know who I like, kind of, what I've heard of, him, uh, of, you know, what he's done, is Sean Payton. I think he's done a really nice job. I think he has some great insight. But the point is, just because you're great at something, you know, you're a great quarterback, a great running back, a great baseball player, doesn't mean you're going to be a great broadcaster. I mean, who would know Collinsworth would be that good? or a Troy Aikman, or a Tracy Jones, or some of these other guys, or myself, you know, that all of a sudden they start doing, you know, the radio or TV, and they're, they're pretty good. But that, that's got to be a tough, and you make a really good point, Tom. That's a tough job to keep, just like your job, too. Just you know, like I, you. I mean, you were number two. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has been one of the. The, uh, the, um, the other guy that I got to tell you that I, I – now, you talk about, Tracy, you know, you love grinders. I love, I love gr grinders, okay? When Boomer Esiason was a quarterback for the Bengals, he was a grinder as a quarterback. But, but, but mm -hmm. he had a lot of flash and a lot of pizzazz, good-looking, blonde hair, really good talker, all this kind of stuff. Well, again, like Montana, um, you know, the networks were beating down the door to get him on the air. When he first started, he was not very good. But when you look at Boomer Esiason now, he's by far the best guy on that tired CBS uh, pregame Very tired. Uh, and he's by far the best of that group. Although Nate Burleson has given him a little jump start, I think. But, yeah. but Boomer's been great. But Boomer does Monday Night Football on the radio. 
He was doing that after doing the Sunday gig in New York. He'd fly to wherever, do the Monday night game on radio, got to be really, really good as an analyst. And Monday through Friday, this guy is getting up every morning at 3.30 in the morning doing a morning drive radio talk show in New York City. Now, there's a guy that wants to be good at the next chapter of his life. He's really good. He never stumbles. The only thing, and, and this is what I like about Boomer. Boomer's serious. He breaks it down. He's never the goofy. I hate fake laughter. I work with a guy on the radio that all he did was laugh. It was that fake morning laugh that I can't stand. You know, you know what I'm talking about. They start that, I don't know what it is, and they just start yakking it up. They say something, it's not funny but everybody laughs. Right. And that's kind of like Boomer. Boomer doesn't do that, which I really respect. And I'll tell you who's, you want to break it down. Phil Sims struggles. I, I don't think, I think Phil's getting actually worse. He doesn't seem, and Bill Cowher's not, you know, he's not one of my favorites e- either. But the point is Boomer Sison works his ass off. And the more he does radio, probably gets better doing his, his analyst job. I mean, he's, he's top notch. He's he no doubt about it. He's top notch. I don't know how we drifted off into broadcasters. Uh, Casey, do you have any update for Mr. Jones? Or, or no, before we get there, we'll, we'll save that for the end. Tracer, is there anything on your mind? I do. Thank okay. you, Tom. Thank no you. Welcome. Something is on my mind, and I want to be serious about this. And I think we do need to branch out a little bit on this show. And I have observations. I see things. And I have the courage to say things that you people don't, right? I mean, I'm the bad guy. I'm the villain. And I'll tell you something that's been bothering me for a long time. We need to get rid of pit bulls. We need to do something. We need to do away with that breed. Tom, don't shake your head because I love dogs. 64% of attacks by dogs are pit bulls, okay? Do some research into this. I have done a lot of research into this. As you know, I'm on the board over at the SPCA. I've heard this argument before. I know you are. The dogs, and I I like them. They're strong. There's some good ones. But when I see someone in Covington in the hood walking around with a chain around this pit bull's neck and the pit bull's wanting to go bite someone, I'm thinking, what is the point of that? When I see a video of some kid getting mauled or another dog getting mauled. I just saw this last night. It makes me sad. It, it really does. And no, I'll tell it, you how It makes you... everybody sad, but but you know, look, and, and, and look, because of my role at the SPCA, I am really involved in reading a lot about this kind of thing. And you just said it yourself, which is the reason you can't have some eradication of the breed. There are a lot of good ones, a ton of good ones, a ton of good ones, but, you know, when you look at the past from a lot of these dogs, and they're no different than people. I had a cowboy tell me in Arizona a long time ago. He said, son, mean people raise mean dogs. Oh, and we well, all I'm kind of mean. When you start digging into some of these things and being used as bait for some of these pit bull fights that they have, you're breeding right. these animals and you're training these animals to kill each other. Or, or near the death of another one, you are going to get into some ones that somehow, some way, they end up in a shelter. Then all of a sudden, you know, something comes back and they're out of the shelter with somebody who's not right. looking out or taking care, blah, blah, blah. 
Those things have happened. There's no doubt about it. But there okay, are a but, ton of good ones out there. Well, you never see a golden retriever bite anyone. You know, saying that, saying all that, Tucker's bitten three people in this building. <laughs> you know, he's Well, he's they're got jealous issues. of his nudicles. But speaking <laughs> of, where are we with the, because uh, a lot of people want to know, right? A lot of people want to know. Where are we with the president of the Homeowners Association race and subsequent soon-to-be election? Where are we there? Well, we're, we're probably, I think the election is going to be held in about a month. Uh, I've had meetings with some of the residents here. Uh, some people like me. Believe me. Believe it or not, Tom, a lot of people do not like me. I find that hard uh, to believe. It really is hard to believe. Have but they shared think, with you why they don't like you? I mean, are they judging you based on something that happened 10 years ago, something that happened two years ago, something that happened recently in your pursuit of this being elected official? I think it's jealousy. I really do. Because, you know, I'm up on the top floor and everyone is below me. <laughs> um, I, I think that could that could be an issue. But we need to make some changes. Uh, that garage door broke again. Did I tell you guys that? No, man. We've got people asking right now, what's the deal with the garage door? Some, somebody ran. They fixed the door like two weeks ago, right? right? So Mrs. Wrinkles, that's what I call her. She's like 112. She she goes and hits hits the door and breaks it. <laughs> so we're down again with the door. So we've had all kinds of issues. And now they're talking about this. Now, this has been you know, thrown out there. To actually keep the door open the entire day and then close it at night. I'm what are your that. thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I pay for a door. My HOA is very expensive. I expect that door to work. I expect, you know, but they say it's a lot of wear and tear up and down. You got Mrs. Wrinkles. Hitting that, hitting that garage door. <laughs> so we got to, I mean, that's a big issue with the HOA. So I'm going to have to solve that problem. Cl we close the pool way too early. We close it like September 1st. And September's a good month, right? For the pool. Great month. I've we never understood it. why they start shutting down pools in Cincinnati. September is a great month. No, we just, it, we've got a lot of issues. And I just, I think that'll be a start for me. Because I want to run for office. I want to progress into something else, maybe mayor of Bellevue, uh, and just kind of move it along. And Casey, I'd really, maybe you and Bali could help me out here. Maybe, I don't know what you guys could do. Hand well, out hey, flyers, Rico have Suave on uh, Twitter was the guy who put together the whole ad campaign, the pictures. Right? Wasn't yeah, that his yeah. name, I think, on Twitter? Rico Suave? Yeah, he put together some great photoshops. I mean, Tracy, there's your guy. Because, you know, Paul, and, Paul and, and Casey have a lot going on, Tracy. I mean, whether it's trying to please a girlfriend, whether it's trying to please a fiancé, <laughs> whether it's trying to right. you know, take off in their budding careers, whether it's their gambling lines... They got right. a lot going I don't, on, Tracer. Yeah, I don't really. I think Casey could work. I don't think Polly. I don't think you're. Polly, you look like a damn skinhead with that last haircut. I don't think we need to stir the pot, right? <laughs> Tom, what does he look like? 
I'm not sure what happened on the haircut. Could you explain again who cut your hair? Uh, yeah, it was it was my girlfriend's cousin. I I got a lot of compliments on it. I thought it was looking I thought it was looking all right. Looking good. I thought it was looking okay. You look yeah, like Thomas yeah, Shelby. I have no idea who that yeah, is. Pinky Blinders. Oh, oh yeah. I've never I've never <laughs> yeah. tried that show. I just finished yeah. watching that I, show. Heard, that is one of the greatest shows of all time. I've heard you've had I heard you had to watch that show with subtitles, and I'm not a subtitles guy. So. Well, I had to just because I don't hear well. You do hear well. Right. Yeah. And so for me, the combination of not hearing that well and the accent, um, yeah. you know. Uh, but but oh man! But yeah, you got the Thomas Shelby. He had the you know yeah, and I know what on the side about. there, yeah. and you know the 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 mop of hair up top. I mean, what, what, would, you, would you rather him, Tracy? At this point, just go ahead and go full on like number two and just cut it all down. I I think he he looks like he did cut it all down. That's just <laughs> you know what I would like to do too. Maybe recommend some shows to watch because everybody's watching Netflix. And yep. Amazon and all that stuff. I watch a lot of shows. I have really good taste in shows and food and women. I think people could go, just some advice, just some friendly advice like I give Casey about his his uh, wedding. All right, well, while we're here, I mean, we can get into this more and make it a full half hour one day here soon because I'm with you. I think this kind of stuff is always interesting to hear. I always pick people's brains about stuff they watch or whatever it might be. So it... You know, I'm one of those guys that I am rarely ever with the times, okay? I might eventually get there, but I'm rarely ever... I mean, I made the comment these guys couldn't believe it. I have never seen one episode of Seinfeld. Don't care. Haven't missed anything in my life, is my opinion, right? And it doesn't make me good, bad, or indifferent. I've never seen it. I never watched an episode of Friends. Never seen it. Uh, although I did meet Courtney Cox, Uh Oh, there's a name dropper. How was she in person? What would you, what, she, did you she, like her? Did you think uh, she was cute? She, she's great. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so, um, so. That was funny, Tom. I caught yeah, that. Well, she was very nice. Uh, very friendly. Um, yeah. But no, so the point I'm making is, is like about two years ago, I finally went back and watched all of, um, what was it, the, the mobster show, the big hit for years and years? Mad Men? Sopranos. 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 I mean, yeah. right? Right. I used right. to hear buddies of mine talk about it all the time that were watching it and waiting for the next one to come up. That, that show is just off the charts, right? Another I one know. I liked, you tell me if you like this one. Sons of Anarchy. I uh, love San Sons of Anarchy. Very good show, too. Watched it. And then they kind of branched off into something else I didn't like. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't watch any book. of the other ones, but just that one was yeah. really good. But maybe we should kind of rate these shows, the ones we really like. Maybe I'll give you my top five. And maybe top five that you really haven't heard of. Because I've seen a lot of documentaries, a lot of really good shows. But once I start watching... Man, it was like 21, that movie. It was really good. You sit there, and it's great entertainment. I think it is. I mean, I haven't been to the movies in 20 years. Yeah. Don't, you know, because I don't like people. I don't like sitting next to people. I, I just don't want that. I don't want the... Last time I was at a movie, I think I was with some girl and some. I did the popcorn trick. You know that one, Tom. Um, 
but yeah, I have not been to the movies in a long time, but I like watching the shows. And maybe we'd write down the five shows that we would recommend. All right, well, let's we'll do that. A couple of the Tuesday. better five. Casey, you wanted to jump in on this? Uh, yeah, we can do it. We can do it on Tuesday. I was just going to say, we've got something. We got something today for you, Tracy. We we got a. Do you want to do this now, or you want to say you want to say this? Is this our uh, cherry on top? Well, no, 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 no. We we can either do the segment that you know. Guess a player. Guess a player. We can save it for. Or Tuesday. we can save it for Tuesday. It what is eleven fifty-six. Let's save it for Tuesday. Yeah. And uh, okay, can, I have one more thing that yes. I have one more thing on the pit bull. Remember, I give answers. I try to solve. I'm a problem solver. Right, okay. Tom. You just throw things out in the wind and see. I solve problems. Okay. That pit bull thing, you did not like that at all. It I really didn't like bothered it. you. I don't like it. Yeah, you didn't like it. We I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, enough's enough with that breed. And here's how you get around it: you defang the pit bull. That's what you do. You take out his teeth. He's not going to do any damage, right? That well, what's if you want a pit bull to eat for the rest of his life, oatmeal. Uh, see, you don't even know. At Petco, you ever go there? They've got pit yes, bull pudding. Yes. Pit bull pudding. Have you ever have you ever seen that? I've never seen that. No. And they like it. Pit bull pudding. Check I it out. I bet they do yeah, like it. I bet they do. Pudding. Bet that's okay. Not see, we're branching off and we're starting to come up with answers, right? Right. Solutions answers. to the problem. Who was it that right. said Very be good, a Tom. part of the solution, not part of the problem, right? Who said that? Who I said that. that. Be what? part of the solution, not part of the problem? Yeah, that's a, that's a very famous quote. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Uh, I don't know. I Did feel you like type it a, in? I typed it in. I mean, it's, it's attributed to a lot of people. I don't know if... Okay. Anyway. I don't know. All right, Tracer, we'll let you run, my friend. Uh, have a great day today uh, over in um, Bellevue, KY. Gonna have a great weekend, and you boys have a great weekend. Amen. Casey, where are you going this weekend? Where are you off to? He's got to stay home. You stay man. home. I mean, he's got he's got some points to win at Honeydew stuff. Oh, well. I'll tell you actually. what. Actually, actually, what? Whoa, 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 wait. I I am actually going out because it's my fiance's birthday, Friday. Oh, so you're the- going out with her. I'm going out with her. Well, that's what I'm saying. You're not yeah. like running the yeah. streets like you were at that casino. For the last four days, right. five days, oh, seven days, whatever it was, you were gone. So we're going to Casey, the bank, so. Casey, you better get it together, buddy. What's up, Tracy? You better get it together. Lizzie's going to divorce you. Your marriage won't last six months unless you get it together. <laughs> Let, let's think about, let's think about, remember, she makes more money than you. And Alexandria just gave a thumbs down sign to Casey. Thumbs down yeah. on our chat. So yeah. all you need to know, Tracer, you're on to it. You see stuff other people yeah. don't see. And wait a minute. One more thing, and I'll let you go. Lizzie, is, if you're listening, remember. No, no, wait, wait, wait. wait. You her have the name is you Alex. Her you name's have the wrong Alex. I, mine, I, I have Lizzie. Casey has Alex. Have. Okay. I, I, knew a, I knew a stripper a long time, Lizzie. <laughs> um, what you want to do is you want to have separate bank accounts. Okay. Write that okay. down. Separate, separate bank accounts. We have separate bank accounts. Okay, keep it that way, Casey. You don't want to be spending your fiance's money. I just got to pay the mortgage. That's the only there you go. part. All right, Tracer, <laughs> have a good weekend, my man. All right, boys. I'll see you later. All right, boys, do we have a cherry on top today? We do. Tracy's always awesome. All right, what is the 
Cherry on Top, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Let's have a look. Today is uh, it's Groundhog's Day. Yes, it is. Today. But here's our, here's our good guy. Puxatawney Phil. Puxatawney Phil, leader of Groundhogs. Now on this February 2nd, Punxsutawney Phil, the seer of seers, was awakened from his wintry nap at dawn on Gobbler's Knob. Phil looked to the skies and then, speaking in groundhoggies, directed this, President Dunkel, to the proper scroll, which reads, I see the morning has brought the finest people. I see their bravery and spirit. The time has come, I can feel it. The excitement, I can hear it. I see the folks with gray in their hair, and I see the kids all young and scrawny. Their eyes and cheeks aglow from the cold, clean air of sweet Punxsutawney. I see that everyone knows their part, and I am merely the sage. But above all else, I see a shadow on my stage. And so, no matter how you measure, it's six more weeks of winter weather. There we have it, boys. Puxatawney Phil in a winter mode kind of a mood. Oh, that one hurt. Six more weeks? I can't handle that. I want it to be over with. I'm done with the winter. Well, we're nowhere close to being done, and especially when Puxatawney Phil says so. <laughs> Great stuff. Our cherry on top presented by United Dairy Farmers. That was awesome. Casey, good having you back, buddy. Great to be back. It Welcome feels good back. to be back. We've got a big Friday tomorrow. We're figuring out who's coming on. No doubt it'll be phenomenal. Paul, great job. Are you doing your show today? Yeah, we're doing a very quick, not too picky here. We're going to recap Casey and Reed's casino experience and uh, get a couple of picks for the weekend. And we're going to do box lunch tomorrow. All right. Good deal. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being with us here on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Have a great Thursday. We'll see you manana.